You're listening to the Alternative Investment Podcast. We give you the insights and strategies you need to grow your wealth with alternative investments. Now, here's your host, Andy Hagens. Welcome to the Alternative Investment Podcast. I'm Andy Hagens, and today we're talking about venture capital in the area of robotics and AI. And joining me is Lisa Chai, partner at Robo Global. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I love that we're talking about technology. Uh, can I say nerdy stuff? I think it's okay to say that because nerds are cool again, right? <laughs> definitely. I was definitely a nerd in high school. I was too. I mean, anybody, I hope that anybody coming on this podcast would say that they're a nerd because it's a good thing. It's a good thing for sure. Well, before we get into robotics and AI and this stuff, I have to ask about your background. You know, how did you come to be a partner in a VC fund that's investing in this kind of technology? No, that's great. Um, well, I have 20 years plus experience uh, investing in the field of disruptive technology companies, having worked at uh, both private equity firms and, and public equity firms as well. And I've always been passionate about technology. I was a nerd, geek, love science fiction movies, love little robots. Um, I was always tinkering with a lot of things. And I think maybe my passion started from playing lots of video games. Mm. So it's really cool to have some knowledge and, and having that hands-on experience. And, and, and that really helps when you're learning about metaverse and AR, VR solutions, right? So I think that passion allowed me to um, major in computer science and finance. And um, I left college with that in my hand. And that was really great to kind of go into the Wall Street field, um, investing and following the software and internet companies. So I started uh, sort of covering that space, working for a hedge fund, and then also a mutual fund and private equity. And that allowed me to join Global Global about five years ago, where um, this company is basically just entirely focused on the revolution, right, of robotics and AI and healthcare innovation. So I think that's just been a really great kind of segue from my passion and education and experience at having worked at investing field and then into the Robo Global platform. And a couple of years ago, we were able to launch a venture fund. So I would say the Robo Global, the index advisory firm is sort of a parent company. And then the venture fund is a, a little bit of a sister company in that sense. I see. Okay. So the, the VC firm here is almost a spinoff of a larger company, but you know, we want to talk about VC today Yeah. and well, let's go right to the, actually, no, before I get to the fun, one more question, I'm not going to ask a lady her age, but um, I do want to ask what video games you played as a kid, right? Are, are oh, we yeah. in the same video game generation? Was it like NES, Super NES, or you're probably younger than me, maybe Nintendo 64? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to really think about that because I don't yeah. want to say Pac-Man because I will I will date myself, right? Okay. Um, I think Dungeons and Dragons and and those type of you know uh, games. I w- I really believed in that immersive you know experience, and I oh. still play. By the way, I still have uh you know I have my PS4 and Nintendo, and I play you know pretty often. So I so I think that never changes. You know if you're crazy and passionate about technology you'll always be and and i think that kind of carries with me but that's a that's a funny question 
Well, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. I've never, I don't think I've ever talked about that. I'm a gamer. It's almost like five years ago, I probably would have been embarrassed to say that. And then I'm like, no, of course I play video games. I mean, I have, you know, kids, like, of course I play video games with my kids. Like, what are you crazy? And I, I totally agreed those immersive experiences. Um, you know, I love the eighties and nineties games, but the games today are just totally a different animal and how they can immerse you. And I think that does kind of dovetail into what we're talking about mm-hmm. with AI, metaverse, robotics, all of these things. So let's let's pivot, talk about the fund. Um, and I want to I want to actually read from this press release because I pulled up the press release. This is going to be in our show notes about the fund launch. So the fund is quote focused on investing in early stage disruptive technology companies uh, that align with the firm's mission of helping investors capitalize on the robotics, AI, and healthcare technology revolution. So, I mean, right off the bat, first of all, it's all super interesting. Like anytime I hear robots, robotics, I'm already, you know, riveted. But I would also think in the world of venture capital, is this a really competitive space? You know, aren't there a lot of VC funds investing in this type of thing? Yeah, I think there are a lot of VC funds covering technology as a whole mm-hmm. and because it is a very growing trend and industry that's got a very large market opportunities. Um, but I think we're unique in that um, we are deep tech and we are we do have some core competency and expertise around supply chain logistics and robotic um, systems. And I think that's really important because I think robots are here, but so far it's been a very small kind of scale deployment. And it's really hard to tell what the business model is going to look like. How are they going to scale into the customers? What are the margins going to look like? And I think because RoboGlobal, the parent company has had um, years of experience, you know, we are the original founders of having an index fund tied to that robotic theme in 2013. So we've been doing this the longest and we were the first to do so. And you're taking that exact same expertise and uh, sort of the platform of our strategy on covering that value chain of robotic system. And we're playing exactly the same way on the venture fund. So yes, our companies are early stage and uh, we're not the first check, but maybe we're the second or third check. And we're looking for a very strong team and it has to have a really good technology, a portfolio and a roadmap. So those are some of the things that we look for. And I think that many of the other VCs out there are looking at uh, people that they know that's in the team and looking at the business model first and not really looking at the tech. We look at technology and business model um, equally. And I think that's very important because I think that it allows the company to have an incredible moat around the business. And then we might actually find something that they need help in. Uh, we have a couple of companies that's really trying to improve their um, sensing technologies or machine vision. And maybe in one of our technical advisors, maybe we have some experts and expertise around that topic, and maybe we could help them accelerate their technology development. So we feel that if, if it's an area that we understand well, and we have the network and connections to help them. And we have the advisors that could really help them with some of their capabilities and features. We think we could help them grow faster. And mm-hmm. that would be really great for all the investors for the venture fund, as well as the ecosystem of the robotic system. So we do everything from uh, mentoring, advising, 
helping them recruit the right people, especially the technology, the engineers. I think that's a really hard area for a lot of the founders who are really struggling to kind of meet those talent needs. And we also help with strategic um, partnerships. And I think the companies and, and the knowledge of the ecosystem really comes into play here. So I think having that um, kind of the balance experience between the private world and the public world really helps because at the end of the day, our portfolio companies, customers and partners are publicly traded. They're very large. Mm -hmm. And all the information that you could read about is on their website and you can listen to the earnings calls. But we do a, we do a kind of a, a better job, I think, in understanding what that means when they're increasing their R&D and CapEx, right? Because we've been doing this before. So we were able to tie that information in with, hey, you know what? Why don't you look into this sector because this industry is really increasing their CapEx. There's so that's where, that's where the, in the parent company, the index provider, you know, with involved with these other funds, that's where it's adding value to this related company that's operating the VC fund because experience, connection, knowledge of these right. larger corporations that are ultimately the customers. There are a couple of themes that I wanted to follow up on. One of them, you, you know, you kind of mentioned the value add as, as GP is a, running a venture fund, adding value to portfolio companies. So I want to get to that. But even before that, you know, you mentioned, uh, I think, supply chains or logistics. So when I hear robotics, I mean, I'm, my mind is going one of two places, either one like sexy rocket ships, you know, <laughs> crazy sci-fi stuff, or I'm thinking an Amazon warehouse and there's a robot carrying, you know, little item and dropping it off into a package or whatever. So are these, what kind of robotics are we talking? Are these boring robotics? And I say boring, I almost mean it in a good way because I'm guessing that the the TAM for that type of a yeah. robotic is much, much larger. Yes. Um, I think they're, they could be perceived boring because you're looking at factory floors and warehouse floors and, you know, logistics um, operations. But we think they're kind of exciting because these are robots that are getting smaller and smaller in terms of form factor. It's getting mm -hmm. really fast. And what we're seeing the biggest trend is the human in the loop. So you're not, robots not really replacing employees in a warehouse but they're actually working along with the workers, the you know, the warehouse workers. And I think that's really important because right now there's still a lot of jobs that only humans could do and they, and humans do it better and faster. Yeah. So, but how about there's some areas where maybe humans can't do or don't want to do. We're looking at a company that has a autonomous drones, a self-flying drones that, that fly in very high spaces. So you really don't need to go climb a ladder to go up 70 feet to reach over something because somebody's getting hurt every day falling off the ladder. So yeah. those are kind of jobs that you could say, you know what, I'll let the drone take care of anything above 10 feet and I'll just work down here in this station. And then there's some stations where especially um, handling and packing into boxes, people don't really enjoy doing that. So maybe in that kind of, you know, in areas, um, you could have a robot sitting next to you in a station, and all it does is just kind of packing the boxes. So it really depends on the customer and the retailer as to how they want to employ those robots. But when I look at the robots, I think the first generation was always kind of bulky and heavy and didn't move very well. These sure. robots are super fast. They're very efficient, and it's able to do things that you don't want to do 
So you could actually become friends with them. And I think in the future, we're actually going to have robots. Maybe they'll have, you could maybe play music on, you know, you, you're not going to be able to talk to them, but you know what? Sometimes you really don't want to talk to anybody. So yeah. I think that for us to have a drone that flies around checking for any water leak in the ceiling to, you know, looking at and scanning some inventory up on the shelf that you don't want to go up. I think those are super cool. I think these are emerging totally. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you kind of mentioned uh, to me. This is the interesting thing. There may be immediate applications in supply chain, logistics, warehouse, whatever. But then it maybe that it's almost like that subsidizes a technology that's ultimately going to benefit consumers and kind of lead to those. I hate to say more exciting robots. I'm really waiting for a Roomba that actually works because I like giant breed dogs. I have a German Shepherd and an English Mastiff. And, you know, I got like the fourth generation Roomba or whatever. I'm like, this thing still can't keep up with an English Mastiff. You know, I'm yeah. sorry. But <laughs> give it time, though. Another 10 years. So. Yeah. Maybe. And I think that, um, you know, my job is so much fun because I actually get to see the R&D labs and, mm. and play with a lot of the prototype robotic solutions. And I could tell you that the next generation Roomba devices will be smarter and and we'll be able to navigate better so mm -hmm. i think that and in, in the form factor is going to look even better so i think you're going to you're going to be very happy that it's not going to you know reduce the performance and maybe probably enhance the performance that way and also you remember the generations of Roomba, right now it could self-charge and it could empty the bin and now how about if the next generation Roomba could also fly around That'd be super cool, right? Now we're talking. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah. Re refill my uh, red wine glass on a Friday evening, right? Um, now we're talking. Well, you know, you you refer. I think this is interesting. I had uh, Rami Cassis on the show recently. We we're talking about private equity, and you mentioned that you actually had a background in private equity, and then you you were talking about how you run the VC fund, and it sounds to me like you're adding a lot of value to the founders and the portfolio companies, their executive teams with, you know, connections, strategic advice, all those sorts. And I actually, I have to say, that seems very common in the VC world where GPs of the fund are connecting and advising and adding value versus private equity, you know, to be blunt, it maybe has more of a reputation of not always, you know, not necessarily supporting an executive team, more coming in and having a more short-term mindset. Do you enjoy venture capital more? Do you, well, well actually, let me even ask, is, do you think there is a pretty big difference in mindset between uh, venture capital fund GPs versus private equity fund GPs? Yes, definitely. And I think that's a great question because a lot of people don't understand the differences. Um, private equity in generally are coming in when the business sometimes can't be fixed. You know, you've hit a wall, you've tried many different things and you've, you're still struggling. So private equity is great for that when you're at that stage where is it about um, getting new management teams or is it a roll up into other divisions? And how, how do we continue to extract some of the- But you're coming into a, a hard situation. You're coming into a situation that's already stressful. That right. And it's almost like, um, I, I don't know what metaphor to use, but it's almost, it might be bitter medicine. It might be medicine that makes the patient healthy again, but it might right. not, might not taste good. Right. Yeah. Or in some cases, maybe, um, you've just peaked 
you know, you've been operating for 20 years and they're mm -hmm. just, you know, you're either going to have to invest heavily to capture the next generation of innovation that's happening, or you're just going to have to shut down. So that's great for private equity to come and extract what's really great about this company. Is it the people? Is it the technology? What's going on? Is it the customer? And how do we, you know, improve this company? Venture is very different in that sense. We're coming in at very early stages, almost like a toddler stage, mm -hmm. and they need a lot of help. It's a lot more fun for me because I get a lot more interaction with the management teams when they're so excited. You know, a lot of them are visionary. Uh, they're extremely passionate. Uh, extreme, a lot of hard work goes into um, finding, you know, the right people. Also, you know, putting together the first roadmap and it keeps on pivoting and changing. And you'll be surprised that as visionaries as they are, as technical talent they have, sometimes there are a lot of simple things that they're kind of missing. And that doesn't surprise me at all. No, that's, I mean, that totally fits with my experience. Yeah, it's that type of leader, you know, the type of person who founds a startup is in a way a little bit crazy, yeah. right? Or they're, they're going to be good at some things, but why would they be good at everything? Certainly, yeah. you know, everyone has blind spots. And so, do, you know, is it, do you kind of view it as your job to kind of see the blind spots, maybe gently, gently? Yes. <laughs> Let them know where they need help. Yes, ex exactly. And we we sit in multiple boards and we are very active and hands-on. And I think it's because of our experience investing and following the public companies, we learned a lot. We learned, to, we watched them fail. We, we watched them pivot and we got some best practices that we learned from that. And we try to apply it based on vertical. Now, I will tell you that sitting on a board, if I see that there are a couple of very active board members are very vocal and honest and, and very aggressive, then I take a little seat back and say, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to take a different role here. Um, or I sit on boards where everyone's super quiet. No one's saying anything. Everyone's saying, you're doing great, you know. And everyone's very complimentary toward the management. And you have to, then you have to be the bad cop. So you, it's probably more fun if there's a board where there's a couple bad cops. I mean, I know that's not the right word, but you know, you're right. You need a balance. If everybody on the board is bad cop, that's probably the wrong word. But you know, right. you need you need people that tell you the truth as a founder, right? Yeah. And hopefully, they can do it without destroying your confidence or destroying yeah. your self esteem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think it's good for us to challenge him a little bit and push back and say, have you thought about this? But if you are going to be vocal and uh, get your point across, you also have to be ready to help them mm. because they do need a lot of help. And I the more that. you help them, the more help they want. So you could really, you know, um, spend a ton of time if you spend too much time with one company. So we try to make sure that we give them enough advice and mentoring and then have them do it. And then they, when they come back and now you could say, okay, what have you learned from that? What didn't work? I don't think that was a good idea. It didn't work. Look at the outcome here. Let's try this way. So yeah. those are some of the um, discussions that we have. Because you want to, you want to, be advisor, you don't want to run the company, right? Like you're right, exactly. as GPs, you don't get paid to run the company and you can't run every company. But but I, that actually brings me to another question, which, well, number one, how big is 
your fund or how much capital are you, or if you raised, are you planning to raise? And then what is, what is the team within your VC fund look like? If you're investing in these companies and supporting them, because we've had some other VCs on the show before, and this is a question I've keep wanting to ask, but I never quite get around to, you know, how does the team, how does the business of the VC fund itself work? What is that team? Like, what are the roles and, you know, how, how does that scale? So mm-hmm. I know that's probably a lot of questions, but first, how, how big is, how, how much uh, capital are you raising or, or have raised? Right. So for us, we're unique because we, uh, we have a couple of uh, different venture funds where we have the Robo Global Venture arm. And then we have the dedicated venture fund that we launched for external assets. So, so combined, you know, all the funds, it's, it's under hundred million. And that's a very small, uh, we're easing into kind of the venture industry. And we're, we're very comfortable that we're not looking for chasing massive amount of companies. We're going after maybe, you know, 15 to 20 companies and take an active role and then kind of grow from there. And this is sort of our global style. Um, and because most of our assets and advisory business is around the index funds, right? Okay. So we're looking at early stage companies, they're deep tech. Um, we have three investment committee partners and we have, uh, we're have we leveraging the research team for the index fund. Mm. And also uh, eight technical advisors that we have for the index fund, we're also leveraging. And then we have uh, dedicated venture advisors for the venture fund. So we have- So you have all sorts of uh, support from the large organization, like a typical smaller VC fund wouldn't necessarily have all those- resources that you have. So I know I, I get it. And I actually love, I love smaller funds that are, you know, starting with a scope and you know what your scope is and it sounds, you know, your mission or your thesis is very well defined. I, I love that, you know, because it's like, you have to start with a thesis and start with, you know, what your niche is and where your best right. position succeeds. So I love that. Is the capital base, is it mainly institutional investors or their individual investors or family offices? Yes, I think it's a combination. We have some foundations, family office, some institutions, and we haven't been really active marketing. We'll probably do that for the next fund that we're going to launch later this year. Um, the reason is that we wanted to um, work in this mode where we could handle and manage and mm-hmm. get the first one dedicated and launched. So now that we feel very comfortable, we closed our first fund and now we're going to launch the second. And we have some incredible companies that's going to have some follow-on rounds. We're going to stick with the same investment theme and approach and strategy. The The second fund will be bigger and it will be able to participate on the follow-on fund, follow-on rounds of these early stage companies into the next couple of rounds, as well as some additional new companies. So wow. we're super excited. Um, obviously, as you know, the, the venture industry is a very uh, kind of a long-term investment vehicle. Yes. So everyone has to take a long view. This is not a hedge fund where you get 30-day redemption notice and you could pull your money. This is it's a not very- B-read. It's not B-read. It's a, what, a five, seven, 10-year hold or, you know, it's- Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So this is so, definitely- so what is- Sorry, I'm just curious though, you know, because you mentioned it sounds to me like the fund structure is almost unique in that well, on the GP side, because I wanted to ask about the team makeup, but it sounds like you have a an almost um, 
like an army of support staff from the indexing side or for the other you know side of the business yes. who are helping support the fund. But how many people are just on core devoted to the VC only? Yeah, we have about uh, three to four members yep. okay. um, dedicated to VC. And that's a good number for the size. Mm-hmm. And then we could always use, like I said, the technical advisors, um, different people. We have the operational support. And that's really great to be able to contact them and, and get their help when they need it. So I think that for now, for the fund size, I think that's a very, you know, kind of a good team structure. Do you feel like, Lisa, that you're an entrepreneur? I mean, because it's you're managing a small team and, you know, you have all this support folks and resources. But at the end of the day, to me, the VC fund is almost a self-contained business, you know? Yes, uh, Exactly. I do. I do feel that it's a spinoff of a very great established business. Mm-hmm. But the venture fund, as you know, has a different investment thesis, different approach, different team. And right. I'm 100% investing and immerse myself with all the founders. So I am definitely also as a partner running this business as a, as a startup. And I'm in the startup community. So I could really relate to a lot of the founders and and you know, challenges growth and and really getting a balance, right? Because right now we do have this massive labor shortage and talent shortage and and people want to work in a hybrid work environment. So how do we navigate through all those challenges? I don't think it's about, you know, hiring dozens of people to be in the investment fund and then having to, you know, reduce forces when the fund, you know, shifts in different directions. I think this is a really great, um, a team where we've worked together before. And now some of us are working more on venture than an index fund. And for us, it works great. I love that. And I mean, I, I totally agree on any, really any startup, you know, that the core team members, you want to have a lean team. And if you can, everyone there is an all-star. I, if I'm running a startup personally, I'd rather have two, two partners or you know, three people total or four people total, have them all be all-stars versus trying to expand to 10 or 15 people and, you know, frankly, not have them all, you know, it, and it's it's just hard. It's a very competitive marketplace, you know, hiring is hard. And, and on that note, I, and I know we're, you know, running short on time. I want to respect your time, but you know, do you have any predictions? You've mentioned some trends already kind of playing out in the world of robotics and the world of VC. You know, what do you think is going to kind of play out in the next few years, you know, especially in venture capital and, you know, emerging managers, emerging funds? Yes, I think the venture capital industries, obviously right now going through a little bit of digesting period, but I think that was very healthy. This is definitely a buyer's market. I'm super excited. Valuation has come down probably about 15 to 17 year low. Mm. So that's great. uh, That's fantastic. Right. (laughs) So I can, we can have asked for a better time to actually launch a venture fund. So this is a great environment where at the same time, you're seeing massive technology shift happening, right. With robotics and AI. So businesses, enterprises, customers are really adapting to this new world. And we're, we're investing in these growth companies that's actually disrupting and transforming. So it's a very exciting time. I think that the industry is still trying to figure out what areas of, you know, the industry that you're going to put more bets on. 
we're looking at areas that that we're seeing major labor challenges. So oh. traditional industries, construction, transportation, agriculture, the food industry, they've really underinvested. So we think that those are areas we're going to see more automation and artificial intelligence and robotic capabilities that's going to be deployed. In warehouses, you have less than 80% of warehouses are there's no automation today. So you're looking at a big TAM opportunity, right? So yeah. that's only, that's 15 to 20% of some automation happening today, which is still a low number. And then there are areas of the supply chain where there's zero automation. So we're really excited about the fact that we're just really in the early innings of deploying some of these amazing technology uh, capabilities. And I think the venture industry and the venture managers that's targeting and focusing on those areas really will benefit more. Totally. And, you know, I, I love a couple of things you said. One, valuations are at 15 to 17 year low. That's a great thing. You know, if you're an institutional investor, if you're a family office, if you're thinking about getting into venture capital or maybe increasing your allocation, that's great news. That's fantastic news. But another thing you mentioned, you know, the fact that there's a labor shortage and that might be a structural or continuing issue in this country for who knows, decades, generations, whatever. The fact that you're investing in that with that as part of your thesis, to me, that's very, very attractive, right? It's because that's that's going to be a pain point and a point of friction for many, you know, large corporations and you know, even what you mentioned, warehouses, most of them not having any automation. So the fact that you're actually investing in that, you know, with that as a tailwind for your investments, I just think that's fantastic. Um, so I, I know we're short on time, but I want to ask you where our audience of high net worth investors can go to learn more about Robo Global and your investment offerings. Yes. Um, our website, uh, www.roboglobal.com is a great place to find us and reach out to us. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link to that in our show notes. Lisa, our time was short today. I want to make sure to have you back on the show so we can talk some more. Definitely. Love to. Thanks, thanks so much for joining the show today. Thank you. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.